Welcome back to My Brother's Deeper, a podcast about two brothers. One lives in England, one lives in Chicago, one's a pastor, one's a writer, otherwise known as the Rufus and Percy show. <laughs> We're still working on that. Um, if you're a listener, you would know that's kind of an inside joke that we developed last week. Um, but speaking of listeners, um, I want to do something a little different today before we get into this. I kind of want to do a shout out, if that's cool with you. Yeah, that's great. So there is a person out there besides your immediate family who's listened to all of the episodes. Like every episode we've done. I know a couple people like that. Oh, yeah? yeah? Well, I know one, and it's Sarah's mom. Okay. Kathy Wick. So I wanted to thank her because I don't really know anyone on my end that's listened to all of them. That's awesome. She's a huge fan. Um, She's a huge fan of yours. Oh. But I don't know, you know, because I don't know. Like, I feel like she's probably doing it just to do a little recon on who her daughter's dating. Oh, okay. So that's who this is. So Kathy is uh, Sarah's Sarah's mom. mom. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I wanted to thank her uh, because, you know, since we've, it seems like we mentioned this last time that we had this uptick in listeners, not a lot, you know, we went from like four to 12, but I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. I don't know if you want to say anything to anybody, a shout out. Yeah, I do. Well, actually, let me say hi to Kathy and uh, thank you as well, Kathy. Hope we get to meet one day. Um. But yeah, I know of at least two people that are not family members who have listened to every episode, and one of them is uh, responsible for the increase in the sound quality that we experienced last week, um, who I do not have this week, hence the decrease in sound quality, Uh, but that is Craig and Jody Scott, and uh, so I'd give a big shout out to Craig and Jody and say thank you for their encouragement and support and their listening. All right. Thank you, Craig and Jody. That's cool. Um, we sort of – we left off. We were in Dallas somewhere in that maze of concrete and humidity. Lots of people don't know that uh, Dallas is kind of basically East Texas, which is like basically Louisiana. It's a different <laughs> – yeah, it, it kind of it kind of progressively gets more humid as you go east, but Dallas is definitely included in in that kind of yeah, just nasty gross weather. Or you know, if you're, it could be the other like the flip side. Because one time I was talking to this guy when I was I was in Dallas, and he was I don't know if you remember I don't know if I should say their name, but it's like free advertising. But you remember? Do you remember Poe Melvin's? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was like a Louisiana restaurant in Dallas, and that guy was from New Orleans. And one time, I knew like a nephew of his or something went to high school with him. We were there, and he told him like Josh from Louisiana. And he goes, "Oh yeah, where?" And I told him, he goes, "Oh hell, that's East Texas, boy." <laughs> so like that's either mean. way, I know like so Louisiana could be East Texas or East Texas could be Louisiana. And we're veering off into like probably very uninteresting detail here, but I would say Shreveport for sure 
yeah. is like East Texas. Like I joke with my wife about that all the time because they're more yeah. cowboy fans and Saints fans. They didn't have sweet tea growing up in restaurants, didn't know what a crawfish tasted like. But I, I would say as you get kind of to the middle of North Louisiana, it's 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 definitely more Louisiana than it is Texas. Yes. Yeah, I would I'd say that too. So anyway, we I guess we left off and you actually got some new information since the first episode of the this this two-parter from um from a family friend about sort of like some history background of why they moved to Texas our dad and Edwina and Sherry. Although she yeah. spelled Sherry a weird way in those messages <laughs> you sent me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a friend of ours who was a really good friend of our dad's and stepmom's, uh, Kenyon, she started listening and reached out and just was like, hey, you guys are doing great, proud of you. And so it just kind of started a conversation via, I think, Facebook Messenger, just kind of catching up. And so when I told you about it, you you definitely were like, man, this could be an opportunity to find some answers. So yeah, it sounds like, you know, what happened at the time was, you know, our dad was working for this, basically like a department store called Howard Brothers. And I think he was in print media where he, he would like draw up the actual advertisements in a paper, right? You know, there's no Photoshop back then and, and no um, clip art that you could go to on a computer. So he would hand draw them. But that department store shut down and in the midst of that kind of upheaval it sounded like that was the opportunity to move out to dallas and from her perspective it was dad's idea to say hey let's go out west to try and you know find new opportunity and apparently he got a job and that kind of is what led people to go out there and it sounds like it was a good enough job that you know they paid for their move out there and packing up their house and all that good stuff so yeah, it seems like that was the genesis of them getting out there. We didn't talk about our perspectives on that move. I don't know. I feel like maybe you probably have more, like more of a grasp on it. I I remember them moving out there, but that's about it. I don't remember sort of like any other kind of details. I just remember they were living out there, and then they wouldn't come out as much. You know, they'd come out for holidays and stuff like that, but. I don't know if you remember anything else about that move. I don't them. actually. I, I mean, it's more of a, you know, they used to live in Monroe and then they lived in Dallas. I don't really remember the process. I don't remember us having a conversation, you know, of saying there's not going to be us seeing him every other weekend, you know, which had to be a huge change for us. I don't recall feeling that, um, or, or processing it necessarily, but obviously it happened. So, so yeah, I, I um, it just became one of those things, at least in my memory, where it was like, yeah, they just all of a sudden started living in Dallas. I remember now that we're talking about this, spending more week, like when those every other weekend setup thing that we had with them, we just spent with Percy and Carlene. Our grandparents. Remember, we, yeah, we would go out there. And it would just be – we would just spend time with them every other weekend. I remember being out there a lot with, with during that period, I think. Wait, you're, say, you're saying that when dad moved to Dallas, 
we started going to our grandparents every other weekend? I don't know if it was that often, but I remember during that period of those early, because that was, you know, when we got back to Louisiana, we were both sort of starting high school. And I remember spending more time on the weekends with them, you know, because dad was in Dallas. We weren't seeing them as much. I remember, you know, remember being over there more often? Because we would Um, go like, we would go over there and play basketball on that basket with where Keith had that structure that never was finished. Yeah. The garage or whatever it was. Yeah. I think it was like a, yeah, huge kind of work area. Yeah. I mean, I do remember going out there. I don't, I don't necessarily remember going out there more. I mean, I, I do think like when we moved back to Louisiana from Colorado, obviously being in the same state as, as Mama and Papa put us in the vicinity of, vicinity of them. I, I do remember though spending some time with them more because that was the, that was around the time I started to drive, and you know our grandfather basically gave me an old vehicle, so there could have been some back and forth of us just spending a lot of time around that whole process um, as well. But yeah, I don't necessarily remember spending intentionally more time with them other than you know j- just holidays and birthdays and things like that. I remember being out there more often on the weekends during that period, during that early high school period for me. I don't know. Maybe you weren't there as much. Maybe I went by myself. I don't know. I kind of remember that too, like maybe being out there by myself. I still remember that because we mentioned we should probably talk more about Percy in this one. And I remember, I just remember that garden that he had in the back. That yeah. thing, it seemed pretty big, right? And it was huge because he was like growing corn and all kinds of things. He grew all kinds of things, but yeah, definitely. And he was really good at it. I, I think, you know, I think that's interesting. Like, as we talk about history with our dad and obviously that being connected to our grandfather, like, how would you describe the two of them? Like, when you think back to a description of your dad versus a description of your granddad. Like how much difference would there be between the two of them? Because I would say for me, they were very two very different men. And this is very stark difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we've mentioned that Percy was very mild mannered. He he was very quiet and just gentlemanly. Didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't curse. Very religious, but just mild mannered. You know, he had a very even keel to him and. You never saw him. He never. I never heard him yell, ever, or like raise his voice often. Maybe ne- I don't know. Did you ever hear, hear him raise his voice? Yeah, I mean, I do remember one or two times where you and I were kind of, you know, getting at it and fighting and picking each other, and he he did have to get stern with us. And I I think there was one time where he actually spanked us. He did. Yeah, I know. I remember one time he did. Yeah, so that that difference between he and dad, or is that? Because dad was kind of, you know, we've talked about it. He was very, very brash and uh, boisterous, very different than Percy in that regard. I I remember that just getting back to Percy was just being. I had this problem calling him as a forty year old, forty three year old calling him Papo. I, I don't. I, yeah, it feels I better to call him Percy. I, f- I feel I feel less comfortable calling him Percy. Right, but I remember like there was there seemed like there was just more of a connection to nature with him. 
because we were, you know, he had the garden. We were outside with him. He'd always take his camping yeah, during like the summers. Fish. Yeah, we'd go fishing, and we didn't have that with Dad. Dad wasn't much of a nature guy. Mm-hmm. No, I mean he he was into books, and he was, you know, into um, more art type things, which. I think, you know, in hindsight, I really, really appreciate because I think it gave me a balance uh, in life, particularly being in small town Louisiana where you don't really get a lot of opportunities to do that. But, yeah, they were very, very different. I mean I think that's the thing is like in some ways it was always strange to see them together. And I I remember really, really looking forward to times where just the two of them were together. You know, where like they were sitting, you know, in two chairs next to each other on a couch next to each other and just seeing like the father son dynamic, because I don't feel like we saw that very often. Like there was a very, you know, separation sounds like too strong of a word, but there was just such a distinction between the two, even though it seemed like they got on well. um, It was like just this recognition that they were so different that um, there just wasn't a lot of common ground. No, I I did get the sense that Percy did get a kick out of Dad, though. He thought he was funny. Do you? And I do. I, I, I remember him laughing a lot at Dad's jokes and stuff, and I think he found him entertaining, you know? Yeah. And he, he was certainly certainly there for him in, in, in the end, yeah. uh, which we'll get to. But I did – I still have, like, dreams – to this day of that place that they, that Percy and Carlene lived in, or Carlene still lives there, but that, that was such a, an oasis. I don't know if that's the right word, but it felt like a really kind of a really comforting place. Yeah. It was there. safe. It was, it was like a refuge for a lot of reasons. I think one, because, as a, as a kid, it felt huge. I know it wasn't. Like going back as an adult, it obviously wasn't. But it felt huge because there was a huge yard in the front and in the back because you know there was the garden, but there was like space to run and to, to play in. Um, there, were, there weren't fences necessarily in between the yards, and so it just felt like you know it was just this huge field. But also like you just got a chance to do things that, that we wouldn't normally get to do. Like we could drink soda where we really didn't drink that at home with mom. Um, there was just much more freedom in how we spent our time. If we wanted to stay up late and watch TV or get up early and watch TV or if we wanted to go outside and just stay outside until you know it got dark, we could do that. So there was just a general sense of freedom that made it feel like a safe place. And no matter what you did, you know, you, you knew your love. Like it was a it was a great reinforcement of family. I remember I used to drink so much of that strawberry quick <laughs> that they had. Quick. Yeah, you know what I remember? I was telling somebody this who lives here in England and, and would go to Florida on family vacations. And one of the things he was talking about was um, – how he loved Hawaiian punch. Like that was yeah. one of the things he would just like load up on. And I was like, Oh, I remember that too. But do you remember at, at Percy and Carlene's, they had something called Delaware punch. Yeah. Oh yeah. I and remember that. That was, that was legit, man. Yeah. And that was like one of those things where, you know, you, you really only got there. And I was, yeah. and I also remember I was a huge Sherbert fan. Mm-hmm. And I always had Sherbert, which was like, always. 
always and you you used to tear up carlene's sweet potatoes dude i i which was just basically candy i i still long for those things yeah like that's some syrupy syrupy sweet potato and her iced tea was just (laughs) had like a foot of sugar at the bottom of the glass oh completely with it Oh, absolutely, man. It was the best. Yeah. Yeah, the thing with with, with Dad and Percy is a, a bit of an enigma, and I, I'm going to use that word again, because when we finished the first, half, the, the first half of this when we were talking, that was one of the first things that I said to you was, like, I felt like this was a lot harder to do, not emotionally, but just sort of, like, just putting our finger on who dad was as a person or a man or it just seemed that much it just seemed harder like there wasn't like we could i didn't feel like i could grasp much of who he was you know yeah i mean it's interesting josh like as you kind of bring up our grandfather you know one of the things that that i'm thinking through is that as you as you kind of compare the two of them in in some ways i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this like I feel like Percy like fulfilled the role the fatherly role more than our actual dad did. And th- and I think that goes beyond just simply physical space because you know you can make the argument that we spent more time with our grandfather particularly after dad moved to Dallas than we did with him. But just those those kind of characteristics that you think about in regards to fatherhood in many ways Percy represented them more. Um, which, which I've always wondered, like, is that one of those things where, you know, they talk about when you're a grandparent, like it's better than being a parent because, you know, you can send the kids home and you've been through it before. So maybe you're a little bit more patient. Like, did we get the best of Percy as a dad because he was in the role of a grandfather than our own dad did and vice and, and kind of leading to that. Is that part of the reason why maybe dad sometimes wasn't able to show those same type of characteristics? Yeah, that's an interesting thing to bring up because one of the things one of the things I've been thinking about a lot getting ready for this and doing this on him is something that you told me two or three years ago when we were talking about dad and you said something that was shocking to me about him and your relationship with him was that you th- didn't really view him much as a father and more as a friend. Like you thought he was more of a friend to you. And I, my experience was totally not that like, but it made me think and question our relationship because I didn't, no doubt we had two different yeah. relationships with him. Uh, Cause I spent some, you know, maybe the, the last two years eh, more than that. Right. I, 93, like five years, the last yeah. five years, I was a little closer to him. I got to know him Definitely. more than you did. But that was shocking to hear that from you to say that, because I thought we felt the same. I, I guess you get into those mind frames where, oh, everybody feels like me. But yeah. you you saying that was kind of shocking at the time. Why was that shocking to you? I had never, because I had never thought... I didn't have the. I didn't feel that way. I felt like he was a pretty good dad, considering the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and didn't view him that way. It seemed a bit clinical. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, that's your, but that's your that's what why we're kind of talking about this is like why why did you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I I think I think it was informed by a couple of things, and I think over time, you know, that list grows a little bit, and um, there I well, I do want to say like I think there are a lot of things about dad as a father that I really appreciate and that I directly attribute to him in regards to my own identity as a parent. You know, one of the things that I really appreciated about him was he was he was very uh physical in expressing his emotions and his love, which is not very common for men. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's something that I always, always particularly as I got into college I always recognized and really, really appreciated. Um, and, you know, it informed the way that it does inform the way that I parent now, too. But I think in regards to like seeing him as a friend, I think a couple things. One, part of that's informed by how mom talked about dad in regards to the divorce and the fact that he never, never might be the wrong word, rarely ever paid child support see this is this is where we're going to get into this moment okay when in (laughs) in in dallas uh you were in college at this point and you would come and i was living with dad and edwina and you would come in during the summer you spend the summers with us yeah you usually had like a job you like worked for like sherry was a a security guard and she would she got you a job which is a whole another funny. Um, it is pretty, it is that, pretty that, funny, but that, you know, that job that you had. But a you six guys foot, one hundred and fifty five pound kid protecting Dallas. Yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with no with no sort of yeah. skills or protection myself. <laughs> it's a thankless job, but somebody's got to do it. That's right. Nobody wants to do it. That's the thing. So it that's probably well. why they hired you. Also, you had an in. It did. Yeah, and and nobody wanted to work the graveyard shift, so yeah. that was another thing. Give anyway. it to some co- some just give it to some college kid reading Dune at night. Pretty much. Yeah. You bet. Didn't you read like how much? How much of Dune did you read? Like all the books? I think I read all of Dune. I think I I actually remember reading because that was around the time. Do you remember the movie Age of Innocence? Yeah. With Daniel Day Lewis and Maybe Michelle Pfeiffer. Wharton. Yeah, novel. Yeah, read that book that that summer. Yeah, I mean, I just re- I basically just read every single night to to not fall asleep. Yeah, but during that one of those summers was it that summer that that conversation happened between you and he? I don't know if it was a conversation. <laughs> Wait, oh, are you referring to him saying that he would help me in college? Oh no, that's we wait what. <laughs> What is that a conversation? I don't know about that one. What's oh, okay. That? That's where I thought you were going. No, so no I was talking about the one where you guys got into like a really bad fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's later. Yeah, that that's when I was in college. No, like like this one connects more to what I was saying in regards to um, the child support. So that's why I thought you were going in that direction. So, you know. But that other conversation has that subject in it that I'm talking about. Okay. All right. I don't remember that. You might have to remind me of that part, but um, maybe I used it against them. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. That makes sense. that I can see that. No, so this would be why this would be part of the reason why I probably did lash out to him 
with that subject in mind is because when they were living in Dallas before I went to university, um, it was before they moved into their house in Irving. And we were um, we were at the pool at that like apartment complex. Mm -hmm. And it was right before I think maybe it was like the summer before my senior year. And uh, I think it was actually. And we were about to leave to go back to Louisiana. And dad pulled me aside and like very, very emotional. I mean, like with tears in his eyes, apologized to me for not paying child support. What? Yep. He said to Whoa. me, he goes, he said, you know, Jason, I never uh, really did that. And, you know, he didn't go into a lot of details. He goes, but what I want you to know is, is that in lieu of doing that, I really would like to help you in university going, going and paying for school. And so I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible because, you know, at that point I didn't have any expectations whatsoever. I knew that if I was going to go, it was going to be based off of whatever scholarships I could get or loans and grants that I could take out. Um, and he never, ever brought it back up again. And nothing, really? nothing ever, ha he didn't give me one dime towards school or helping me in school. Um, I didn't get anything from him either. The one thing I did get was because I was going to commute. I did commute, and but they bought me a car. But it was this. Yes. Do you remember? Did you I do remember see it? It was an MG, <laughs> a convertible piece of ass. <laughs> um, that broke down on me the first time that I drove to Denton from Dallas. Right. He blamed you, right? I don't know. Did he? I, th I, he, I never heard that from him. I thought he that blamed was, me? I, I thought that was part of the issue was like he he didn't think you were taking care of the car or something. I had it for a week. <laughs> it's insane. I don't know, man. I had it for one week. Yeah. So... That, but that was the only thing I got for college. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I, I didn't have any expectation. Like, honestly, I didn't either. I had zero expectation. So if it, would, if it hadn't been for that conversation, then I probably wouldn't have felt it strongly a few years later when, you know, things hit the fan for me then to go, well, hang on, bro. Like, <laughs> who do you think you are kind of a thing? Like, yeah. I'm I'm kind of doing this on my own, and you're you're trying to like, you know, tell me what's what. So so again, going back to the idea of dad being more of a friend than a father, like I, I I'm hesitant to like put it in such stark terms to go, you know, he was more that than this. I think what it was for me was like my idea of a dad, which in part was really formed not only by a grandfather. But also, like, as I began to grow in my own faith, like, my idea of a father began to change, too. I looked at dad objectively and go and went, yeah, he really doesn't fit that. You know, like, he, he's not a guy who, again, I want to be careful because I don't want to I don't want to paint him as, like, just a total, you know, abandoner, you know, guy who, who didn't love his children because he took care of us when we were with him. But, like, he didn't really provide for his family. You know, from from that from the standpoint of what he should have done as right. a divorced father, um, he just he didn't do it, and mm. so for that then to be carried over into him admitting it, and then saying I'm going to make up for it 
and then not following through, it's like, okay, it kind of fits the script of, of kind of who he was in, in, in that way. And you, you mentioned last time, like he's, he was never good with money. He was never good with, with, with those sorts of, you know, issues around the responsibility of managing it. So when I think of him as a, as, as less of a father figure than say our grandfather, that's part of it is because, you know, he's, he wasn't a guy who, who kind of, said that I'm going to take care and I'm going to sacrifice what I need to sacrifice for my kids in that regard. I think he did in other ways. Again, trying to try to find a balance here. So yeah, so I think that on top of the fact of him like for me it felt like he wanted to be more right when it came to conversations, particularly big picture conversations, then he wanted to be interested or curious about what my thoughts were does that make sense yeah it does i i think i touched on this jokingly in the beginning of the first part about how he and it leans towards him being sort of a fibber Mm. you know like telling tall tales and and being just sort of that guy that said things he would always tell us when we were kids you know that he knew everything do you remember that yeah, I know everything. Yeah, and w- which goes back to one of the things Kenyon messaged you about, like if you play Trivial Pursuit, which is a perfect analogy. It's trivial. <laughs> you may know these things, man, but like we all do now because of the internet, we can just look everything up, and you know maybe you remember, maybe you don't. But I feel like. You saying, telling that story about him saying that to you, like, I want to do this and then never bringing it up again, just seemed, seems to kind of be like he would, he would just say things at certain times, you know, and maybe they meant something, maybe they didn't. I don't know. No, that, that could be it. I mean, um, you know, it could have been just an emotional moment getting caught up in things, you know, like, like I will say, Again, just to provide some balance, like I do remember like when I went into university, I remember like he did buy me a computer, you know. Now it was it was a pretty ghetto <laughs> sort of a thing. What what kind of computer was it? I don't even remember, man. I mean it was something that they had had. It must, it must have been like gigantic, something it NASA was. would use in the sixties. It pretty much took up my whole dorm room. Yeah. yeah. It was it was huge. Um and here's the other thing is I actually remember like Edwina, our stepmother, understanding what it took to get into college way more than dad did and even more than I did because this was the summer – that same summer, the summer before I left, she took me to like Bed Bath & Beyond and was like, you know, you're going to need towels, Jason, because – you know." You got to shower and you got to do all that sort of stuff, and you're going to need a backpack. And like we went and bought sheets for the for the beds and like all the sort of stuff that even mom didn't think about, like Edwina did. But I think all that just flew right over dad's mind, like or his head. He just never even thought about that sort of stuff. So yeah, again, it's just it was just one of those things where I think he he just maybe got caught up in the moment, you know. When you graduated from high school, did he? Did he what did he have any words for you then or no? Um not any words. Like I, I remember us celebrating it. Like we we went to I think you were with us. 
San Antonio. Yeah, we went to San That's Antonio. That's when we saw Bill Cosby for like five bucks. Remember that? That's right. Oh, That's man. That's that was when you could talk about Bell Cosby and not that's when you cringe. could that's when you could you could name drop and that would be an impressive thing. Yeah, now it's just like oh okay. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But it was weird though because we didn't know he was there and we just kind of walked up on it and it was like this big amphitheater that was just packed and we were we just stood in the back. Yep. I still I still remember jokes from that. Yeah, I do too. That set about the I don't know if it was the fifth year or the fifteenth year. Yeah. He's talking about his marriage, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, That's I remember a good that. That's huge. So, so you, like I do remember, you know, him doing something special for graduation for sure. But you know, that was it. Like there, there. He I don't think I got a trip to San. Antonio. I didn't get a trip when I graduated. Well, I mean, you got a car apparently. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, they didn't. The, I got a car that they didn't run through like the seventy-two point whatever you're supposed to do when you buy a car. That's right. The engine just blew. Like were you that's on? My, were you driving I was on the highway, out? man? Dang. Thirty-five. I thirty-five. I thirty-five. Yeah. You know what's strange is you you put the I in front of it in every other state but California. You would call oh, really? it the. It would be the thirty-five, the 35. in California. That's interesting. Yeah. But I want to go back to the child support thing. But first, I'd like – I think we should talk about it, Edwina. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, we, we were a bit murky on when they got married, how old we were. But, you know, mid-80s is probably when they got married. Yeah. I think for some reason in 98, when Dad passed – I felt like the year 15, they had been married 15 years. So it was probably 83 when they got married. I mean, I think that checks out. But she was from Monroe. She went to Neville High School. Yep. Um, only child. Yep. Her dad was a bit older when she was born. I think probably mid-40s, late-40s. Yeah. Um, her mother died when she was in high school or junior high, maybe. I think Pretty young. Awesome. Yeah. Pretty young. Yeah. So she had, I, and I'm not sure what, what her mom died of. Do you? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to assume it's cancer. It's a safe bet, yeah. So she had dealt with some things. but She'd been, she'd been married before. She had been married before. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And she was pragmatic, though. You mentioned that before about, like, her telling you, you know, you're going to need all these things. She was very detailed. She was also a painter, pretty good painter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very artistic. I think that's what she studied in university. I think it was she got some sort of fine art degree um, or art art history maybe. But yeah, very. She was actually good because I remember in their home several paintings that she had done. Yeah, there was one that was in the living room for for years that she had done. It was a dream that she'd had. Oh. And she painted it, and it was really good. Is that the one with like the bird or the owl? It was it's like a desert scene. It was almost like uh, yeah. It was, it was almost real, like right white and uh, brown. Right. It was all, it's all kind of reminded me later on when I came upon the the this poem by Percy Shelley. Okay. Who was uh, Mary Shelley's husband? Yep. Who wrote Frankenstein? That's right. But it's called Ozymandias. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, where yeah, where 
there's a certain imagery in one verse of of a you know an ancient pharaoh who yeah says like look upon my works and it's all just dust you know yeah but it kind of look kind of remind me of that uh but you like later on like i did live with her and i to be honest with you i don't know if we were ever that close mm-hmm. maybe we were maybe we weren't but i feel like maybe you probably were more you were a little bit closer to her than than i was yeah i mean part of that was you know you mentioning me coming out there or both of us going out there during the summers um and there was one summer where um i went to work with her every single day yeah so that was a huge deal because you know we would drive the whatever 45 minutes to work to and from and then sometimes we'd actually have lunch together during the day as well so yeah there i i felt like i wound up spending a lot of time with her and getting to know her and um and really kind of appreciating her and i mean i'll go beyond that i mean i think i you know it was it was felt like a a parent child relationship in some sense like there was there was care and love and and that sort of thing so yeah yeah i cared for her pretty deeply yeah i i think that i think that's probably there was also sort of i think you guys probably shared a, a life aesthetic maybe if that makes sense sort of uh the same ideas about like sort of like what what things that you like in life i don't know if that makes sense life aesthetic like um what would be an example i don't i just remember you guys like you know you got you there was a period where i didn't talk to her after dad had died and that's a whole nother story and i'm not i don't want to get into that as a way of just in a negative way um but i don't even know if we should mention it but you would once you started having kids you saw her you would go out to california and see her because she was living in northern california at the time and you know she, so you had you would see her more than i would than, yeah than i mean well and i think it goes even further back than that because you know when dad died dad died in, in march of 98 i got engaged to candace in may of 98 and so I wanted to I wanted to propose to her in Dallas because I just knew Dallas and you know it was a different place that uh, I could kind of walk around with her and show her and you know do some special things you know um with her. And so like I remember calling Edwina and saying, "Hey, can we come out there and stay the weekend because this is what I'm going to do." And she was so excited and so supportive and it it felt like what you would want a parent to be, you know, like she had some inside knowledge about this huge thing that that was about to occur, this huge life decision, and she wanted to to help and to bless as much as she could. And she did. Like we wound up getting tickets to um the Byron Nelson through her work. And Candace and I went and, you know, we saw Tiger Woods, you know, play. And then we wound up going to Las Colinas that night, and that's where I proposed to her. And like we came back to the house, and then Winna was there, like happy for us and celebrating with us. And I remember shortly thereafter, she said, Hey, you know, I know it's traditional for the bride's parents to pay for the wedding. She goes, But it's also tradition for the groom's parents to help with the honeymoon. She goes, So I want to take care of the honeymoon for you. 
I had no idea any of this happened. Where yeah. was I? That's a good excuse me. That's a good question. I mean, my guess is, you know, you were you you weren't at North Texas, but you were living with friends, right? Like you weren't in school. In May of ninety eight? Yeah. Oh, I was living there. Not at the house, were you? Yeah. Oh. Because, you know, we'll get into this one when we talk about dad dying and, you know, the whole cancer and all that. But, um, yeah, I was there. But I don't remember you coming out there and proposing. And go Where did you propose to her in Las Colinas? No, don't say the horses. No. <laughs> no. Um, do you remember, though, behind the horses, behind that building that the horses were in front of was the canal? Yeah. So it was back there on the canal. Oh, okay. Wow, that's romantic, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you yeah. get down on one knee? I did. Whoa. Yeah. I did got down on one knee, and then we walked to. You remember there was like a, um, like a hibachi place near there that we would go to. Yeah, it's a famous. Uh, yeah. What's the name of it? I just I went to one a couple years ago in L.A. Um, I can't, I can't remember the name of it. It's the famous one. Everyone yeah. goes to it. Yeah. Yeah. So we went to there. That's where that that's where we went. We walked there after um after I proposed and um walked around the city for a little bit and then came back. It's funny. I don't remember obviously you weren't there, but I don't remember you being there. I don't I don't remember you living there at that point. But if you say you did, obviously you were. But yeah, you weren't you weren't around. So I don't know mm -hmm. what was going on at that point. Maybe I wasn't living there. Are you sure it's 98? I'm positive, yeah, because we got – he died in March, and then we uh, – I proposed in May because it was right before I was to graduate. And um, and then I went to work in Tyler, Texas for the summer, and Candace went to Chicago for three months because she was working on with an inner-city mission. And then we got married the following December, December of 98. Yeah, because I remember living there when, you know, because Edwina, after dad died, uh, she uh, moved on rather quickly. And I remember living there um, during all that and being very, very upset and not understanding, you know, like, you know, people grieve differently and they, they move on differently. And at the time, I was very, very, like, not happy with the way that went and which you know, like i was i was completely separated from that like i was in a bubble <laughs> at that point like i had no idea any of that was going on i remember talking to you about it much later and just being completely dumbfounded that any of that occurred yeah i don't and maybe you know, you know now that we're talking about timelines maybe maybe i remember it wrong wrongly and maybe it 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 wasn't right away that she moved on. I don't know. But anyway, there was a time period there where I didn't really talk to her. And then, um, you know, time goes by and you understand things differently and you get older and you, you're like, who cares? You know, people do what they do and, you know, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. But over the years, which I didn't, I haven't really spoken to her that much. Um, recently I did because I was in that, in Northern California 
and she had a bunch of stuff that well she had some books of dad's she had a bunch of comic books that we weren't able to get our hands on so i'm not i don't know what she did with those yeah, i don't either uh, yeah she was a big part of things we'll get back to the the child support thing <laughs> because i didn't well, know that quick. he i didn't know that he had admitted that to you yeah i mean again that the whole reason i brought that up is just that connection to like how we viewed him as a father and and you know particularly comparing him to percy our granddad yeah that that that's that's part of the reason why i I probably made that comment to you about seeing him as a friend more as a dad, because the other thing too, is that like, I felt like our relationship when we did get along, what was more jovial, you know, it was more like shooting the breeze and kind of talking about this or that. And, um, there wasn't, there wasn't this like, you know, advice there, there, there wasn't a, let me take you under your, uh, under your wing and my wing and kind of tell you about things. There just, I didn't have that relationship with him. You know, maybe you did more um, when you lived there, but I, I just didn't have that relationship. He just felt like a really kind of cool guy that happened to be my dad. When you think about that now, does it bother you or make you sad or I don't know? Do you feel like? Um, I think it doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me sad. I I do believe. That had we been given the chance, it would have it would have evolved as we gotten older, and I think I think there would have been more of a mutual respect and relationship, just as adult men and as fathers of our own, you know. Um, so I do think it would evolve. So if anything, like I, what saddens me, and I mentioned this last time, is is just more of what you know didn't get to transpire. But I don't look back at that with any sort of you know, hurt or regret. It just, it, it was what it was. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful because I feel like all those things kind of formed who I am now. And, um, you know, you, you, you take, you take lessons in, in experiences of life, you take the good and you take the bad. And I think there was a lot of things that when I look at dad, I go, yeah, I'm going to go the opposite direction of that, you know? And, and that's okay. Like, I don't, I don't fault him for that. It, it is what it is. And and I can use that in the right way. Yeah, I, I didn't view it. That's why it was so shocking to me to hear you say that originally, because I, I didn't view him as like just a friend. I thought, and maybe I wasn't examining it uh, but, Josh, as, as, as deeply because I... I'm wondering if, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm wondering if part of that was I never lived with the man after I was five. And so there wasn't an opportunity. I mean, yeah, we lived during the summers and that sort of stuff. But like you like he had a chance to actually parent you. And so maybe there was that's part of the different difference that you and I have. But I but not well, that's what I was getting at is like hearing you say that I've thought about it over the years and I thought, well, how much parenting did he actually do? Because by the time that he got I got to the mom had pretty much, you know, ingrained herself in me as far as manners. And, yeah. you know, even today, man, like I have a problem with people like older people, like say friends and loved ones, parents who you say you call them 
when referring to him, Mr. or Mrs. And they're like, no, call me by my first name. And I'm like, eh, there's like, mom, you know, how in the <laughs> in the cartoons, there's a devil and an angel on your shoulders. It's just mom on one shoulder. <laughs> when you better not call that person by their first name. <laughs> she's she's holding that that medieval spatula. <laughs> spatula. <laughs> Whoa, man. There's some there's some therapy sessions here, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. That's what this whole thing is for me. No, I agree. But, yeah. But I'm thinking like he didn't really have to do much because like when I moved there, I don't know if you remember this, but it was when the the summer that I moved there, there was some kid that they it went over knew through parents and he lived around the corner from where they lived on Coronet in the house. And I went over to their house, and it was him and another dude, and they were, he had a pool table, and they were playing pool, but they were drinking beer. And I called Dad, and I was like, I was like, I had never been to a hangout when people were drinking. You know, I was 15, yeah. 16 maybe. And I called Dad, and I was like, can you come get me? I feel uncomfortable. And I remember you, you were there. You don't remember this, but you were like, man, I'm so glad you did that. I'm really proud of you. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But so at the time, I was very like, uh, I was very square. What What was Dad's response? Did he He just was like, came okay, and got me. Yeah, he just came and got me. That's and, cool. Yeah, and at in my whole junior year, I remember because I played basketball, and I, you know, I started meeting the kids playing basketball, and they would always like, hey, why don't you come hang out with us after school? We're gonna go, yeah, rabble rouse, and I would. <laughs> And I would say no, I would, you know, I would, cause I was scared and I wanted to, I would tell people like, I want to spend time with my dad. And I did, I think we had a lot, we would go after school, we would go to movies at the dollar theater, the Chateau, mm-hmm. it was called back then at, at, uh, in Irving. And we did spend a lot of time we had, the movie thing was huge. When I told him that, you know, I wanted to be a filmmaker he was totally supportive of that. I didn't get that from mom. I don't even know if I told mom I wanted to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, like, when I told him, he was completely supportive and into it and, like, bought me these books about filmmaking and, like, and, and he had a certain knowledge about it, too. Like, he, there was yeah. things that I didn't understand and he would break them down to me. So, yeah, I think I think that that, that, that made us closer. But yeah. now that... Think about it though, as far as just like him parenting, I don't know if he had to do any do anything really make any tough decisions really until later. Well, I, maybe that's what I'm thinking about is is the idea that I think you had mentioned maybe when you went to college or right before you're going to college of him kind of laying down the law of like you're going to get up and you're going to do this and you're going to have a job, and like when you described that whole scene that that was very foreign to me so it sounded like oh wow dad's like trying to be a dad like he's trying to parent josh kind of a thing mm-hmm. so maybe i've extrapolated that you know uh further back as well well yeah maybe he did do that i know he was disappointed in me when i had dropped out of college um and then he got sick you know right after that so but going back to this incident you guys had one time where you got into this really bad argument and yeah. you were yelling you were yelling at each other and you 
you said something to him about like, is that why I didn't pay child support? And he came at you like he like walked up on you, like you were sitting down. Yeah. And he he got up and walked up on you and started yelling at you and saying, he said this. I paid every effing dime that I was supposed to pay. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. But he had told you previously that he hadn't. I know. What the hell? I mean, that's at the time that that happened, that that bad argument where you thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, dude, you just told me you didn't. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a few years, you know, since that conversation. Yeah, what I remember about that kind of explosion, I mean, I touched on a lot of raw nerves. Like, he touched on raw nerves for me, and I touched on— What was the argument about? How did it start? I remember being there, though. I was sitting there, and I remember being, like, heartbroken that this was happening, you know? Yeah, I remember. I remember when you first told me that. Like that broke my heart to hear you say that because I didn't, at the time, you know, think about what you were thinking. I was obviously. I just felt. No, of course not. I felt like I was fighting, kind of, for my life at that point. Yeah. Because because really, what what it kind of. I'm sure there were a number of factors, but my recollection of what the heart of the issue was, was was that was when I was really starting to take my faith really seriously. And, um, and I think the way it started was he started questioning like kind of my integrity. Cause I don't know if you remember that was, that was the same summer where like, like I had a girlfriend that summer and she came out to visit a few times. Yeah. I remember that redhead, that redhead chick. yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I was like calling her as well. And he, he, um, was giving me a hard time about like using long distance and you know that sort of stuff, and that I think was kind of how things <clears throat> started to unravel. And in the process, I think he was like, "Yeah, you're doing all this, but you think you're a Christian and you think you know you're better than everybody." Da da da. And I was just like, "Whoa, where does that come from?" And and that had been on the heels of him already that summer like giving me a hard time about my faith because i don't know if you remember this but there was a time where you know you mentioned us watching movies like we were watching movies in the house and i don't remember what movie it was but there was a movie that for whatever reason we we, you know we were watching it was fine and it just had a lot of cursing in it and like i'm not somebody who gets worked up about that sort of stuff but that night i did Mm. and i just got up i didn't say a word I didn't I didn't I didn't look at anybody. I just got up and walked back to my room. And he came back and followed me. And he was like, "What are you what are you doing?" I was like, "Dad, I just don't I don't feel like watching the movie." Why? Cuz you know, you think you're too good for it? Like he just laid into me. So that was part of the context that had happened. I don't know I don't know how how early, but that happened before the big explosion. And so once that big explosion happened, it was like the gloves were off. You know, he was he was accusing me, you know, being, you know, inconsistent. And he was like at one point, like the big one was he was like, I bet you pray for me, don't you, Jason? Yeah, I do, Dad. And he goes, well, you know what? You should just go ahead and stop because it's not working. Like he was saying it with that tone. Like, like, like moving his head and getting closer to me kind of a thing, like being very antagonistic. And I remember him bringing up his friend, Brian, 
Cohen, I think his name is. Yeah, he's a Jewish guy. Yeah, yeah like I yeah. think you know, I think he worked for like the Jewish Auxiliary or the mm-hmm. Jewish Center or something like that. Like that was his job. And I remember him going, "So are you saying that my friend uh, Brian is going to hell?" Because that's what your beliefs say. Like you're just saying that he's going straight to hell. Is that what you're saying? And you just kept emphasizing it over and over. And I was just like, Dad, like I'm just – I'm not trying in any sort of way to come down on you or to come down on your friends. I'm just saying like here's what I believe and here's why I believe it. Mm-hmm. And he just was ripping it. He just kept ripping me and ripping it, and and that's what it was about. You know, it's like I think he felt – he felt challenged that I didn't think like him. I think he felt disappointed. I've mentioned this to you before because I think he felt like I was checking my intellect at the door. And um, and yeah, and I think he just was disappointed in me. I think that's what it kind of boiled down to. Yeah. At the time, I didn't, I didn't know. I don't remember that, the movie thing, him like following you. And that that feel like I had a thought immediately of you sort of reenacting that, was, and I thought, I wonder if he, how much of that he, he, where he was just drunk. Maybe he was drunk, and we didn't know, because he did drink, you he know. Did. And I don't no, remember. That, I, I don't remember point. paying attention to it, but I remember thinking he always had a drink, so he could have been loaded. Yeah. Some of those times, you know. I think that's very possible. Yeah, I mean he. He was a hothead to begin with, and I'm sure the alcohol just, you know, made it worse. It's it's very possible, you know. I mean, at the time, like you said, I didn't think about it. That wasn't part of the equation uh, for me processing it. It was just a son processing a dad who's kind of coming after him. Yeah, and it seems now that you say that that he was very close-minded. <laughs> You know, like he's trying to be like this person that saying you're checking your intellect at the door, but it seems he's very closed minded and not listening to people. Maybe. And you mentioned that earlier, like he was he probably didn't listen to people. Yeah, um, I think I think there was a certain sense in dad where, you know, he had some arrogance about him. And you yeah, know, he, was, he was a smart guy. He was incredibly sharp, very well read, interested in a lot of different things. But he he, he never did anything with it from a from a. You know, substantial sort of career perspective. Um, not that that's everything, but like I also got the sense that he felt a little bit, you know, like he didn't measure up, and that was his defense mechanism. Was definitely he was. Insecure. I'm going to put people in their place. Yeah, he was insecure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I saw that later when you know he couldn't. We covered this in the first part of him not being able to get. A uh, really good job, or whatever he wanted to do in life. You know, he he the comic strip didn't take off, and I think after that he he was. And that, this happened after this conversation that happened between you two, and he wasn't he wasn't the same. I think he was very very disappointed in how his life shaped up. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, obviously there was good parts. He had two two kids. He had a pretty, you know, he had a he was married. They lived in a nice house, and but still, you have these things. You have demons, and everybody has insecurities. Yeah. But I don't think he ever. I don't know if he ever went to therapy. Oh, I don't think he did at all. Yeah. yeah. That would that would shock me if he did. Um, no, I don't. I don't think he did at all. I mean, he didn't seem. He didn't seem like that type of person. You know. Yeah, I had a similar 
sort of blow up with them too when I was probably around that age. Maybe it was just a thing. And he was like, I'm going to just charge up both my sons at this age. But my it was my fault. Um, but they had gone, he and Edwin had gone on some trip somewhere. They had flown somewhere. Yeah. And I had a girlfriend at the time. And I was supposed to pick him up, pick them up at the airport. Yeah. And I was with the girl and I showed up late and he was pissed. <laughs> he was like livid and just lit into me. And we got into a huge argument. I don't know what was said. I just know what I said at the end. And I said, I wish you were dead. Yeah. And he, and he kicked me out. And I went and lived with a friend for like six months, got my own place. I was working at the time. And then he got sick. And we kind of made up. You know, we kind of were like, okay, there's no use in this. You know, and he got cancer in his kidney and yeah. went through chemo. Yeah, went through remission, and then got cancer in his brain, and had I don't know if you remember this, but he had two. He went through radiation, that didn't help, and then had two brain operations within months. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I I don't think I would have remembered that it was two, but I do remember that he had the operation for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he had two brain operations within like three weeks. Golly. And then after that second one, the doctor was like, they had put him in hospice. So he's at home yeah. in a bed. And yeah. the doctor was like, and they, you know, that whole time that he was on going through remission too, you know, they had him on, you know, he was taking morphine. Yeah. I remember coming in one night, it was like two in the morning and he was up like reading comic books on the couch, but he was like, really like just, uh, I don't know if he was taking something else, but he was just like very like moving real fast and being like, like he's, I came to the door and he like noticed me. He was like, Hey, what's up? Like he, it was weird. Yeah. So I don't know what all he was doing, but this was before, I guess this was before the brain operations. But then when he got the brain operations, maybe it was after the first one. Um, but he was very, very towards the end. He was like maybe 75 pounds. Yeah. He was a skeleton. And, Percy was there, and I remember living. I was living there at the time. Percy, I would work. I was working. I was doing the thing you were doing, or I don't know what I was doing. I was working overnight, doing something. I was working a third shift. I would come home at six in the morning and go to sleep, and then Papa would wake me up at like eight, and we would we would go get Dad. I would hold. We'd go in the bathroom. I'd hold Dad up because he couldn't stand. He had a diaper on at the time. And, and Papa would and Percy would clean them, so that was like towards that was like the end, you know. And then we he was in the bed, and and then the doctor told us, you know, it's, he's got about two or three weeks. Yeah. And he so basically he's telling you, you know, to say your goodbyes. Yeah. So we all do, but I didn't apologize to him for saying that to him ever about I wish you I wish you were dead. So that, for about 10 years after he died, uh, was really hard to deal with, personally. Yeah. Until, you know, you finally just let it go and say, you know, these things happen. But, uh, yeah, that was hard. I, I don't think he, he held on to that, honestly. 
I know he didn't, but at the time, you know, it was, it really messed with me because it was like, you said that, and then he got sick. I know. You know? No, I know. I know. I mean, I, I, the reason why I say I don't think he held on to it is because, you know, in our own blow up, we were able to get through it. You know, we, we didn't talk for a super long time, similar to you guys. And I remember one day just feeling an overwhelming just need to call him and to just say, he's not going to call me and apologize. I'm going to call him and apologize. And I remember thinking like, like I, re- I, maybe I'm wrong in this, Josh, but I, at the time, and I guess now, I guess I still do. I don't feel like I did anything wrong. <laughs> you know, like I feel like he just came after me. But I remember going, you know what? There's no way we're going to move forward if I don't if I don't call him and apologize. And I did. I remember calling him. I remember being in my dorm room, calling him and just saying, "Hey, Dad, I'm really sorry." And like as soon as I said that, it was like everything was okay. Yeah. So, so I know that he felt that way, you know, in regards to both of us, um, for sure. But yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that about you and Percy doing that because. That fills in some gaps for me. Um, I don't know why I didn't think that that was likely to have happened, but I don't. I, I didn't think about that. So thank you for doing that because, um, you know, my experience was I was in school still, and I remember either either Percy and or Carlene, our grandmother, um, coming to pick me up from university. And us driving to Dallas on the weekends, and during mm-hmm. that end time, like after he made it back home to hospice in a hospice care, I remember it was you know a good three or four weekends straight where I was driving to Dallas, driving back to school, driving to Dallas, driving back to school, and um, yeah, it was very clear that it was the end. And he obviously, I mean, he was. I do remember him just being next to nothing in regards to his weight. What was really strange about it, though, was, like, all these friends came back. Well, not yeah. all, but, like, there was one that you mentioned this guy before, the dude from Boston. Larry? Yeah. He came down one week randomly when Dad was sick Yeah. and spent a week and I don't know. People people came out the woodwork, for sure. Yeah, I, and that's I think that's another cool thing to think about was, like, you know, for, for all the all the things we talked about during this episode, it'd be very easy, I think, to walk away and go, ah, you know, maybe he wasn't such a great person. He obviously had a huge impact on people, and he had obviously he had it on us for sure. Like I know we're talking about, you know, details here and there. I mean, there's no question. Like I loved the man with all that I was, all that I am. Absolutely loved him. Still do. Um. But he had a huge impact on other people. So the fact that definitely. somebody he somebody that he did. had not seen in years and years would come down and spend a week. I mean that that's such a testimony, you know, to what people not only thought of him, but how he made them feel. Yeah. I I remember his his funeral. It was in a church, which was Right. Yeah. And yeah. Was that a? That's a whole another story. Was that a Methodist church? 
we can get. Do you remember? Do you remember when right the like the day before he died, that guy showed up with the Bible and all that? Dude, that's a whole huge story for me. Like I don't know when you when and if you want to get into that. I think we should do it now. We're at the timeline point where we should. Yeah. So when he was, it was probably like a a day or two before he before he actually died. This guy. It was the night. Yeah, this guy shows up at our door, and he worked at the theater. We lived right behind the theater, the community theater that we mentioned before about where Dad was in uh, these plays. He acted in these plays. There was two theaters, a small theater and a big theater. This guy worked at the big theater, didn't know Dad, but had heard through the theater personnel that our dad lived the, you know lived the street over and was was dying of cancer and he showed up in a bible he had like a cassette tape too of like music or something like that yeah and he so, like he basically gave dad his last rites <laughs> right yeah so so i remember it a little bit differently okay so i remember him showing up at the door and he had a guitar as well yeah yeah remember that Mm-hmm. And what I remember him saying was that he it, it wasn't the theater that I remember, but that he was somehow associated with that church. So like the church that the church that the funeral was at was this Methodist church that was near their house. And as far as I remember, our stepmother Edwina, who grew up very very Catholic, mm-hmm. but but as far as you know, my whole memory of their marriage, like she was not religious really whatsoever. Yeah, that's one thing we didn't mention about it when it was her dad was like super Italian. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, very yeah. Much so. so. And with that came the Catholicism. Yeah. But she never practiced it. It was nothing that was a part of her life. But when all this happened with dad, in particular, um, whatever the last few months, if not the last few weeks, she started like reaching out to that church, which I think, um, one, it was close by, two, I think there are some similarities between uh, Methodism and Catholicism, not so much the theology, but maybe the kind of experience of high church being very formal, being Mm -hmm. very traditional, that it seemed like to me gave her some sort of comfort. So I remember like during those last few weeks, like people from the church coming over, bringing food. You know, just really kind of being supportive, which was like, this is crazy because we don't know these people and they don't really know us kind of a thing. So anyway, that last night, the night that he died, this dude showed up at the door and he had a guitar. And what I remember him saying was he was somehow associated with the church. Don't know what it was, but he was somehow associated. He's like, can I speak to Rick? And I think it was either Mama or Papa, Percy or Carlene that, that answered the door. And they're like, yeah, sure. And you're right. He went over there like. He played some songs for them. They talk, you know, really closely together. I actually heard a conversation that they had where it was like, yeah, he gave him, you know, you could say like he gave him his last rites. He was explaining to dad, like, you know, who do you know what's going to happen when you die kind of a thing? And dad like saying, yeah, I do. I do know what's going to happen, and I do believe there's something out there kind of a thing. And I remember – for me and for our grandparents, um, that was a huge moment for us because we felt like dad made some peace, right? Yeah. And I know uh, there's 
I don't. I, I think it it does like whatever you believe happened. I think that it was just a it was kind of a an amazing thing that that guy showed up like that. You know. Well, it was a. Ama- it was not only amazing that he showed up, but what was also amazing was um like he gave a. You're right. He had a cassette of mm-hmm. like, music or something. Yeah. He, he gave it to Carlene, our grandma, mm-hmm. and then the dude just disappeared. Yeah. So that yeah, was. I think that's what's so amazing about it. Just that's this. what's amazing is like I yeah. remember like dad died a few hours later and then we go into like the whole planning the the ceremony deal. And I remember our grandmother like in particular was like, I want that guy playing guitar, you know, and we talked to the minister or whatever of the Methodist church. And he's like, I don't know who you're talking about. I, that's what I'm saying. I think that dude was with the theater. He worked at the theater. Maybe so. And it, it would just be weird that he identified himself in one way, but he was associated with another group. I don't know. Um. So anyway, yeah, like th- this is where I think our perspectives probably are very different. But from my perspective, the way I remember the story, like I look at that guy as like an angel. Yeah. Who just kind of like showed up for such a time as this. Spoke some truth to dad that truth that 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 dad recognized and accepted, and then just disappeared. And uh, and I remember, I remember having the conversation with the minister, explaining who this guy was, and him like, I have no idea who you're talking about. And then our grandmother going, Well, I've got this cassette tape that I'll show you, and she couldn't find it. <laughs> and and you know, if you if you remember. I know you remember a lot about her, but she was a super organized person. Like she's not. Yeah, she type. did. Uh, she did payroll for a hospital. Like she knew. Yeah, she was. A, she was definitely not someone, someone who had, let things slide. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that like that in a sense like just seemed to disappear was just like what one more data point to go. Okay, there's something. There's something not natural about what what's just happened here. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a huge deal. Like that was that was a um incredibly emotional night for so many reasons. Um not not to mention, you know, just I remember him taking his last breath. Mm-hmm. I remember watching yeah, we like I remember his eyes didn't close. No one closed them and his eyes were starting to turn black cuz you know when you die like blood vessels burst or whatever and yeah. it was such an eerie thing to see. I remember it being really like when it he took took the last breath. Just that being, it hit me hard, man. Yeah, because I was okay up to that point, and then it was just like, oh, it really, it's really happening. It's I bet it's a really strange thing to watch someone die at home like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's really peaceful mm-hmm. because you, the loved ones are around, and you know, he's he's not in a sterile hospital room. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, it's also, it makes it even more personal, Yeah, <laughs> which is harder to deal with. It's almost haunting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the thing with the eye, I always remembered the eyes, the eye thing, it turning black and just being like, that's so, I didn't know that happened. And it was just so spooky. And he's written something once, one time I remember, I don't know what, what he wrote it for. It was some kind of thing and it had something to do with like a black orb. Or something like that. I wish I wish I could remember it. 
But anyway, it was always so weird to make that correlation. But um, I remember, I don't know if you remember his funeral, though, and he, they hired a, a person to play the bagpipes. I do remember that. And to play Amazing Grace. Yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, the reasoning why is because at the end of Star Trek Two, when Spock dies, they play Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. Is that the reason why? Yeah, because I remember when the guy, the bagpipe guy player starts going down the aisle, Brian, that guy you mentioned before, the Jewish guy, just started, erup he erupted in laughter. And I was like, I didn't know that. And I went up to him and I was like, what was that all about? He was like, Star Trek 2, man. I it's like your he was like, it's like your dad's like one final joke. <laughs> I did not. I don't remember that. Wow. Yeah. I, I just remember him requesting the bagpipes because he liked the bagpipes. I didn't I didn't get the Star Trek. Yeah. Straight up Star Trek reference. Did you did you do anything at the funeral? No, you got up and spoke. I remember that. That's another thing. And like, <laughs> I was sitting next to mom, and she, like, you, your voice broke when yeah. you were doing the speech, and both of us just lost it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you remember anything you said? Do you remember that speech at all? I don't. I like, I, for some reason, I thought I was just reading something. Maybe. Um, that there was like a – I think I, what I remember is Edwina, our stepmom, asking me to read like a passage of, of the Bible. And I don't know if she picked it or I picked it. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I, I remember like feeling super, super nervous um, of doing that. And you know, by that point, I had spoken – Quite a bit in front of people. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't nervous doing that. But I remember that. I remember that moment. I mean, for obvious reasons, there's just so much going on emotionally. Um, it was really hard to get through. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I, you know, I was, I was very thankful that he was cremated. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting, Josh. Like, that's one of the things in, in living here. In England, I've probably done, I don't know now, five or six funerals, and um, it's pretty common for people to be cremated here. In fact, they have crematoriums where you go and do the services. And um, but at the time that Dad was cremated, that seemed different. Mm -hmm. That seemed unusual. But I remember thinking how grateful I was for that because you know your memory about his eyes when when he passed away um it's pretty stark to think about my, but my memory was you know we we talked about him being super skinny and looking like a skeleton i remember him taking his last breath and me thinking oh my god like he is a skeleton like now yeah. he is, there's nothing there yeah and i was like so thankful i didn't have to see that again yeah, yeah, it was. It's a, cancer is a tough, a tough thing to deal with, man. Uh, especially for. I almost feel like it's better if you just lose somebody quickly, you know. And just a, that just sort of two years drawn out thing is just 
It's it's not good for anybody, yeah. especially the person dying. You know, like yeah. <clears throat> at some point, he probably gave up. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he definitely. I, I definitely felt like him. I, I guess I was those last few weeks and months. It felt like he wasn't there because he was in and out of consciousness a lot. You know, sleeping, and I'm sure a lot of that was pain medication, but. Yeah, it was hard. Alright, so we there was also I don't know if you remember you were talking about him being cremated. There was something that happened where Percy got some of the the ashes. Yeah, they were split up. They were split. Yeah, and she and he buried them in like a plot because there's a family plot um, in Louisiana. Yeah, I went there. Where is that? Yeah, we both went there one time. We fought with Percy because there's a tombstone there where his mom is, and there's a plot where Percy is too. They're all there. They're all three there. I wonder if Sherry ended up there. Wow, that's a great question. She'd probably try to find it out. But yeah, so there's a. I remember we went out there and saw it, and on the back was our names, and we both got for Clint. We were like, whoa. Yeah, that was, that was crazy. Yeah, that was pretty emotional. Yeah. Yeah. I've got the address of that place. It's like up near Goodwill, right? Somewhere yeah. around there. I think, it, I think it's called Red Wing Cemetery, actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like that Goodwill, Oak Grove, Louisiana area. Yeah. So that's where he rests. I guess maybe Edwina has the other, the urn. I seem to remember that she started with it, but Dad requested for his ashes to be scattered somewhere. Now, yeah. I may have completely yeah. made that up, but... In, in space. Was that what he requested? He wanted his ashes, like, shot out into space. And it was like, you know, this is 30 years before Elon Musk. <laughs> you can't do that in 1998. Well, I think she spread them somewhere. Yeah. I don't remember where. Hey, hey, maybe she got him on a Elon Musk rocket. I don't know. I mean, that'd be great. Be great to see his final wish fulfilled. So, you know, so, here we are. so yeah. let me ask you this, okay? Like, yeah. I know we're going, I know we're going long, so I don't know how you want to like cut this right. that sort of stuff. Um, did you ever, ha- did you ever search for other? Father figures, like is definitely. That I think my whole life was that, especially before I moved out there with them. I remember just every coach that I ever had, okay. and, and especially in high school. Yeah. Um. I was look. I was always looking for the father figure, and that makes me think about like what you said about him. Even more, I would go back and look why I was always looking. I did have a dad. Yeah. Uh, but I was always looking for something he was always a bit absent yeah in our lives just physically and maybe emotionally like maybe you're right he wasn't like he wasn't dad material you know yeah i mean i don't know if i'd go that far i I I mean yeah i mean that's probably pretty harsh but what (laughs) i mean is like he he maybe was more of a friend than a dad yeah, I think that was his approach. Like, I think his approach to fatherhood was, um, you know, less 
less authoritarian for sure, but but kind of less traditional, and 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 in his mind more modern to say, you know, let me just kind of be be friends and get to know these guys, and they can get to know me, and you know, uh, that that's the best way to do it. So, you know, yeah. I mean, that being said, I, I don't. Uh, I think I did the same thing. Like so, my but my question is, I guess, would did you do that? continually like after he passed away too or did you feel like it was just when you were growing up i think probably after he died i did probably you know i was looking for a big like a dad or something i don't know but i think at some point you reconcile it yeah say you know this was my dad this is who he was this is where i learned from him this is what i've learned on my own um and you get past it yeah, um, but I, I think that that may be always there though. Like when you meet an older man and you just yeah. think maybe I can learn. I think you're just always trying to learn something. Yeah. About what it's like to be a man. Yeah. Because I don't know if there's like there's not a roadmap, <laughs> and especially today when things are getting more fluid. Yeah. Um, what is it? What 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 is it really to be a man in this modern world? What you defines know? manhood, yeah. Right. I mean, like, you... I think that maybe doing this on our dad... I don't know if we can put a finger on it. Maybe we shouldn't on who he was. Maybe he... he uh, people contain multitudes, and it's hard to pin someone down, so... Well, you're right. I mean, I think, you know, that that is where... You know, our, our perspectives are just that. There are perspectives, you know. Like, I think it would be interesting. Um, I don't know if we would ever do this, but it would be interesting to, like, talk to other people through this podcast about our dad and to get their perspectives on him as well. Because I think, you know, our memories, even as we go through it, are different in, in our experiences. Obviously, other people's would have different holes to fill as well. I don't think I'm interested necessarily in trying to pinpoint them. You know, like you said, I don't. I don't think it's it's something we need to do. Um, but it helps to just process kind of how his life impacted ours, you know, and how we would go about um, searching that. Because it's interesting you bring up the manhood thing. It's like I, I think that is something that I definitely was searching for was a definition. How do yeah. you know? How do you know what being a man is? And and even further, how do you know when you've achieved it? Yeah. And it's interesting. It's like you look even sociology uh, wise. Um, you know that question's been asked over and over and over. There's, you could go onto YouTube and you could you could find loads and loads of of videos where people are just going around like kind of man on the street type questions of like how do you know? How did you know when you were a man? And every single person has a different answer. Yeah. You know, one person says, well, it's when I got my first job. And another person says, when I had my first sexual experience. And then another person says, well, it's when, you know, I could take care of my family. And, like, nobody nobody has an answer, really, in this society. Um, so I think that's been something that I've definitely searched for. And as I've, you know, in the process of raising two of my own sons, one, you could say I've raised them because he's about to leave the house. Um, I've tried. I've tried to give some definition to that. You yeah. know, some, some definition of what it means to be a man. That's not connected to. It's not connected to achievement necessarily. You know, yeah. and I think that's the irony 
is that dad probably was in search of some sort of achievement to prove kind of who he was. I think that that's American society. Yeah. It puts that on the man. The man, the, the typical male role is to, to go out and you earn the bread. And, yeah. To, and that's your worth is taking care of all that. And when there's a different aspect of that, and your life goes a different way, that's why you feel insecure yeah. about it. And, and it's unfortunate. He shouldn't have felt that way. But. He, sh- he shouldn't. And, you know, it's, it's, you're right in that that's where our society is because we've lost a sense of, uh, of the rites of passage. You know, it's like when we were talking a few weeks ago about Abraham, you know, in that culture, there's lots of rites of passages. Like you kind of knew whether you're ready for it or not, this is when you become a man. And a lot of it was about, you know, the responsibilities that you took on. But we've lost that in our culture. Yeah, we certainly have because the only thing that we have that's even close to a rites of passage is like going off to college. (laughs) Right. That's all we've got. I mean, if you look at all these ancient... Ancient, but societies there was a there was a right. The kid, like your fourteen year old male, you would go out into the woods and hunt your own stuff to come back alive, and you had you had crossed that threshold. Yeah, uh, we don't have that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so, so yeah, it's interesting to think of dad in that light to go. You know, he he in many ways was probably doing the exact same thing we're doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to and trying to define himself and figure out. Um, you know exactly, you know what it is that uh, that makes you who you are. You know, yeah. and, and I think he had he probably had less opportunity to do that than we do. Yeah, for various reasons. Yeah, I mean, he grew up in a, a weird sort of crossroads in society, American society of like he grew up in the fifties when that sort of mold of a man was very much the way it was supposed to be like you're supposed to go to work you bring home the bacon and then he and then there was that transition in the 60s the late 60s of where things started to change and people started looking at things differently and then the 80s were kind of another 50s a bit with Reagan and I don't know yeah he just kind of like grew up in a kind of a topsy-turvy time uh, but I guess maybe everything's like that. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe every time's like that. Maybe we all feel that way. Yeah, I think at points we do. You know, I think uh, that that definitely is is maybe its own rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, is is feeling that way and trying to figure it out. Um, but I think that's what what um, psychology is for. I think that there's a rite of passage in that where you can kind of like go inward and figure out the things and I don't think he did that I don't think he was too too interested in psychology hmm. so I don't remember really talking to him about it you know like uh, his reading habits we talked about but most of them he didn't really read literature like he just read sci-fi and fantasy novels yeah like he didn't read like he didn't read like classics he didn't read like sci- I didn't see him delving into like the human experience you know I mean, I, but I, yeah maybe so I mean I don't know if they were his books or they were 
other people's books, like maybe Edwina's books, but, you know, when we talk about that summer where I just read a lot when I was a security guard, like all those books I got off of his shelf, like I got Age of Innocence, I got, um, you know. That's definitely, that was definitely Edwina's. Okay, yeah. Maybe so, yeah, maybe you're right. Right. I mean, he was, he was into like the like the science things. So, like he read a lot of Carl Sagan, right? Yeah, yeah, they were both into that. Uh, he and Edwin were into Carl Sagan, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you can there's a lot of things you can learn from a book like Dune, even though it's science fiction. True. You know. Yeah. And I don't know if he was like seeking out like the mysteries of his own self. It's like going inward. I don't think, I don't remember him really having conversations about stuff like that. But so here, here's, here's a good question for you. Do, you. do you feel like he had, like, obviously we talked about his friends and the impact he made on people. Do you think he got real with people? Like, do he have friendships where, like, they bared their souls to each other and they, like, admitted their struggles and, and just were vulnerable with each other? I don't know. That's a good question, especially with like a male friend. Like, yeah, did he do that? I don't. I, I don't know. I don't. I, like the friends that he had, maybe, maybe he did. Like the the one friend that he had towards the end was just that guy that owned the comic book store. You know, Ed. We didn't mention them, Martin and Ed, which were, uh, they were around a lot. Yeah. Which uh, Arden was Edwin's friend from like junior high. She married a guy named Ed, and they were really good friend couples yeah couple friends or whatever and um maybe he talked to Ed I don't know I don't think he did yeah but I don't know that's another mystery yeah so you you mentioned Abraham uh what were you mentioning about him that about just the rites of passages the rites of passage like that was a rite of passage taking uh Isaac yeah, up there, and I don't know if Dad had a similar. Did he have a a thing in raising us where maybe the divorce was sort of like a point of no, like a threshold of like a call to action? I don't know. Yeah, but you know, I think in the last episode we talked about his comic books and just the collection that he had, and that he had to sell them at one point. Yeah, you know, did he? I don't, I don't remember if we mentioned it or not, but my recollection of that was like part of the reason why he had to sell that collection was actually to to like survive financially and to kind of help us as a as a family or you know as a divorced dad survive financially. So you know it makes me think you know earlier when I mentioned sacrificing for your family and he didn't do those sorts of things that might be the one time that he did if that's actually what happened that was always my understanding again i feel like he told me that so maybe that was one of those things he he spun i definitely think that's probably why he did it because he needed the money but there's also a lot of things we don't know um he didn't you know he's in the army like that's not easy you know like going through all that and so um i don't know if there's that, that many uh, correlations we can make to Abraham, but it did certainly start getting us to thinking about fatherhood and how we have been influenced by it. You more so than me, you must be thinking more about 
a lot of this must be hitting more home with you, you know, like the more you reflect on it and just how how influenced by him you were. And you mentioned Percy being more sort of a measuring stick as far as like being a father, but I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like we we do I feel like I do understand it a little bit better mm-hmm. having done this. I do too. You know? I think it's helpful to hear your perspective and your experience because like I said there, there are things that either I don't remember I just didn't consider to, yeah. to you know to my own fault and um, yeah it's I think it's good to just yeah it's just good to talk about it and, and to kind of reconcile some things yeah I think we did do that and if we missed anything you know tough <laughs> it is what it is yeah I mean this was this one was way harder to do. It's just so big. I mean, he's such a yeah. figure, you know? Yeah. Um, and the way it all kind of ended was, it's a, that's a tough thing, you know? It's a tough thing to kind of encapsulate. But, this is the end of our discourse on our, on our father. We appreciate you listening if you listened. Um, those those of you that we mentioned at the top of the show, we know you're listening, so we appreciate it. Um, yes, thank you. Do you have any last words? No, just um, you know, appreciate your honesty in this. I think it's like it's always good. Like you mentioned before, how this is kind of like therapy in some sense. Um, I think it's just it's just incredible. Again, you know that we just have the capability to look at each other across the screen and still be able to not only see but feel each other's emotion so i'm just thankful for that you know particularly in 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 the midst of you know hopefully a a receding yet still ongoing worldwide pandemic to be able to to kind of connect with you in that way Mm -hmm. somebody's had a bit too much scotch but that's okay. <laughs> that's true. Oh, come on now. That's okay. Um, some you should have a bit too much scotch sometimes. Uh, it's it's healthy. That's right. But uh, I appreciate it too, man. I think it's been really great, and I feel like we're at this um, point where we could really make it something more. You know, we just need more. We need more followers, subscribers downloads we need to we need a bigger audience you know so those of you who do listen just tell people about it you know just say hey this is really cool i know there are some that are doing that and we appreciate that so but uh we thank you guys again for listening thank you very much